0: Chapter Twenty Two of Forgot and Gold. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Forgot and Gold by Julian Stafford Corbett. Chapter Twenty Two. A fortnight later, in a fair clearing, on the summit of those forest-clad hills, which separate the Atlantic Ocean from the South Sea, knelt eighteen sun-burned, way-worn Englishmen. In their midst rose a giant tree that reared its head high above all the dense growth around it. In its rugged bark steps had been cut that led upwards upwards to a sort of bower high amidst the massive branches which might have served as a watch-house to the little settlement that was about the glade for all around where those gaunt men knelt were strong houses built in the manner of the cimmeroons some thirty of whom knelt reverently outward of the englishmen listening to the prayer which the thick set curly bearded man in the center offered up so earnestly. Earnestly, too, those seventeen others listened as they knelt in the heart of the Spanish man with as stout an air of triumph on their youthful faces as though it were all their own. And no wonder it was so, for each man there had but just ascended to that sylvan watch-tower, and there had seen to the northward the ocean whence he had come, and over against it, beyond the rolling slope of gorgeous tropic forest that silent sea of mystery, on which no Englishman had sailed, stretched at his feet, as though waiting peacefully for him to come and take possession. To our fancies, heated with the hundred tales we had heard of the inexhaustible treasure which came from that new found sea whereof the wisest of the ancients were ignorant, it seemed to glitter like a boundless, unfathomable cauldron of molten silver. From this, our first sight of it, it seemed but a little step with our elated spirits to enter and possess it and so it was with uplifted hearts and throbbing poles that resting on our weapons we kneeled and listened to frank drake's prayer O almighty god he said who has granted us of thy great goodness that we should set our eyes at last on that great sea, which for all the ages till now no man knew, but only you, and which, though you had kept it hidden, as an inheritance for all mankind who served view or right. The bishop of Rome had impiously taken upon himself to give to an idolatrous king and people, grant to me now out of the plenty of the power and bounty life, and leave to sail once, if only once, in an English ship in that sea, so shall I, the servant, and such of those others here to whom you will vouchsafe the same, enter their own to the advancement, to the glory and the confusion, of the lewd priest. And potentiate, who has usurped and abused the vineyard which you have prepared for the people, so he ceased, and a deep amen mingled with the rustle of the breeze amongst the vines and canes. Then up sprang Mr. John oxham and held on high his right hand. Hark ye lads, he cried, very excited. You have heard the captain's prayer, and now his resolution. Now bear witness that by yea and nay I protest, as I am a gentleman, that unless he beat me from his company, I will follow him, by God's grace, into that sea. So, one after another, we all protested to the like intent, very earnest and eager for that time to come, and yet resolute as we all were how few ever made good our resolve and notably mr oxenham had he but been content to follow frank instead of faithlessly trying to be before him who knows but he too might have died a knight with a golden collar and not as he did like a felon with a necklet of spanish hemp but let that pass for who knows better than i how hard it may be to keep a resolution which in the making seemed so easy such failing away we must openly condemn for the sake of the state and reverence for the laws yet no wise man will inwardly hasten to loathe sin since he is well aware that until he has made trial he cannot tell how small a shack of temptation will lay his own honor in ruins and surely the sight of that golden sea whereof no man knew the bounds was enough to turn any man's head none of us were in haste to leave that glorious sight feeling as though we could never gaze our feel to us the first of Englishmen, was unfolded the portentous secret which the Spaniards had kept so well. That night, then, we lay there to dream over the boundless visions to which our discovery gave birth. On the morrow, refreshed with our rest and feeling each one of us a new man in the presence of that new ocean, we began our perilous descent towards panama and perilous indeed it was though none of us now could think of danger or anything but the golden sea we were as i have said but eighteen englishmen this little band was all we could muster for our attempt eight and twenty of our company were lying dead in graves already half hidden in breaks well nigh half the rest were sick and when these were set aside with a sufficiency of whole men to tend them and above all to protect our ships and prisoners eighteen were all we could spare i had been appointed one of the number seeing that i was still whole yet it must be said i was hard put to it to go for my prisoner coaxed me so prettily to stay and protect her and pouted so sweetly with her full red lips when i would not be moved that i more than once came near to yielding and was not a little glad that we marched as soon as we did besides our eighteen we had with us thirty who lightened the labor of our march not only by the ready bearing of our burdens, which they would not suffer us to touch, but also by their cheerful spirits; they seemed never to worry, and were ever laughing and singing, even when the way was steepest and the brakes most dense. They seemed. Now that they were away from the Spaniards, and we came to know them better, an altogether dazzle childlike people, whom one could but love, for all their hidden fierceness, as one would a and faithful hound. Pedro, their chief, who best knew the danger of our enterprise, had put it hard to the general that he should tarry at a certain town of theirs, till a greater force of Simaroons could be gathered. But this Frank would not hearken to. No, Pedro, said he, the time speeds for making my voyage, and since I have enough, I would not delay an hour, though I might have twenty times as many. A resolute answer which rejoiced and gave heart to us all. So on the morrow of our discovery of the South Sea, we began our descent, as we were towards Panama. It was our general's purpose to waylay to recue as close as possible to Panama, where the Spaniards would least look for us, in case they had any wind of our still being on the coast. To this end, we had made our toilsome march going a good way about that we might not be descried, and so come down secretly upon the road which led from panama to venta cruz where as i have said the gold was embarked in frigates to be carried down the rio chagres to nombre de dios we were more moved to this course because of our uncertainty whether the went as yet all the way by land to Nombre de dios as we were now it mattered little for by thus striking boldly across the main we could deal with them before they reached the river and thus save them the pain of disappointing us very warily now we pursued our painful way through the mudded forest in the order which pedro besought us to adapt First, went about a mile ahead of us for Cimarrones, who best knew those trackless solitudes. For not a sign of a way was there, and even had there been one, it would have been overgrown by the luxuriant brakes as fast as it was made. We had nothing further to direct us than the broken branches by which our guides marked the way we were to follow how they could know their road amidst those well-nigh impenetrable woods where they could not even see the sky above their heads was more than i could tell mr oxenham said it was a special instinct which god had given them that they might be better be revenged upon the Spaniards who had so foully ill-treated them. How this may be, I cannot say, but I know that Frank, and most of the company, said openly, it was nothing sort of a miracle, by which God showed his great love and tenderness towards us. For it is certain, that without the aid of these poor folk, we could never even have attempted the Spaniards by land. Our general was very earnest to show his gratitude for this mercy by burdening himself with care for their souls. For when he found that they seemed to have no religion, save a sort of idolatrous and superstitious reverence for the cross, he would not rest till by continual urging them at our halts he brought them to lay it aside and learn in its stead the Lord's Prayer and certain plain doctrines, as he thought sufficient for their low understanding. Great as was the skill of our guides in living, it was little exceeding our vanguard's diligence in clearing the way, for in the front of our main body marched twelve Cimarrones who with loving care made the way as easy as might be for us and their two chiefs who were in company with us rearwards of all were twelve negroes more bearing our burdens and watching against any danger that might threaten from the rear so we marched stealthily through that eternal wilderness of brake and vine and flower And massive, overshadowing trees, hour after hour, in perfect silence, save for the scolding of the frightened parrots overhead, and the strident screaming of the fearless guans. To me, that march gave a pleasure and present sense of strong life that I had never known before. Nor did my content end there, for Harry felt the influence as strongly as i and so there was bred between us one more piece of sympathy which gave me yet farther hope that i might win his love again it seemed to bring back our boyhood and almost in his old boyish way he came that night and sat beside me is this not glorious work said he he stretched his weary limbs upon the flowers i could almost wish it would never end i answered it lifts a man out of himself like nothing else i know that is it he mused indeed i think there is nothing which will keep a man so continually excited as silently stalking through a boundless forest like this, where a white man's foot has never trod before. As you pick your way at each step, that no stick may crack or stone roll. As cautiously you press through the boughs, that none may break or fly back noisily. As you strain your ear for the whispered order that is passed from your comrade and peer ever forwards towards where the danger lies then you know best the pure joy of living the joy of the tiger leaping on his prey the joy of the falcon stooping at his quarry well said well said i cried catching his enthusiasm even so i now at last can say I live and know my life. Now live I with the life of my father Adam, the son of God. Now know I that fable for a true allegory, and feel I have dominion over the beast of the field and the fowls of the air, which is called the inheritance of Adam. Truly, what greater joy was his than we have now, said harry the wild pigs and deer and pheasants are our meat the bubbling brooks are wine cups the leafy boughs are roofs. the flowers are beds his inheritance is ours slight it is time to tempt a man to throw aside the feathers of his clothes and the burden of his arms and rise up with nuff but spear a symbol of dominion and live to his life's end a lord of beasts it is you harry said i whom i must thank that i too can now this intense joy it was your father's bringing up of me that taught me to love the out of doors well it is mock modesty, he answered, to say we knew not how to make a man. Indeed, I think Machiavelli did not much err when he praised the education of Achilles, for whom Chiron chose a master half man, half beast, that he might be acquainted with both, seeing that without the qualities of one, the other will be of little duration such teachers we cannot come by now yet we can make shift with one who forgets not that man is half a beast such talk we had many times afterwards and i call it a fortunate thing that our march drew to an end before we had quite run wild on the second day After leaving the spot where we had viewed the South Sea, we came out of the forest to a pleasant champagne country, overgrown with mighty grass, so rank, that, as Pedro told us, the Spaniards had to burn it thrice a year, lest it grow so tall that the oxen cannot reach to feed on it which will seem a wonder to those who know not the western wonderland, but it is none the less plain truth. Three days we passed through this marvel, suffering grievously from the heat after the cool shadows of the forest, yet being cheered many times by getting glimpses of Panama whenever we passed over the rolling hills that fell in our path on the fourth day being the fourteenth of february we had for our valentine the blue roadstead of panama with its burden of gold ships riding upon it it was a sight to set every heart there beating faster notwithstanding the many dangers and excitements through which we had passed since we heard the farewell gants from Plymouth platform. Indeed, it was now that our great peril began, for by hook or crook we had to reach and describe a great grove which lay apart in the midst of the Champagne lands, about a league from the town. Our danger of discovery, which would mar all, was now very great, for, the Cimarrones told us, it was the custom of the ladies in Panama, to send out fowlers in search of a certain delicate bird, of which they were very fond. Should we fall in with but one of these men, which would be very easy, in the tall grass, the alarm would be at once given, and our chance of gold gan a and perhaps our lives with it frank therefore bade us break up our order and falling into small parties grope our way as silently and stealthily as possible towards our goal it was weary work and anxious the sand was blazing down upon us with interminable power every few minutes We had to step and listen. After going thus for a good space with infinite toil, we struck a river bed, which was almost dry. This, to our great relief, the Simaroons said we could follow safely, since it led straight to the grove. So, in the end, by picking our way over the stones like cats, we came undescribed to our hiding-place about three in the afternoon, and then disposed ourselves to rest, well-nigh exhausted. There was now nothing to do but lie there still, smised till the night fell. For the requies do not travel by day between Panama and Ventacruz, because the way lies wholly across the Champagne country, where there is no shelter from the scorching fire of the sand. Moreover, it was our captain's purpose, as soon as evening drew near, to send a negro in disguise into Panama to discover whether any recruits were to be laden that night, and at what hour they were to start, as I lay with the rest half asleep after my weary march frank came to me and asked if i were too tired for half an hour's more work not if you want it of me said i well then says he come with me to the edge of the grove whence pedro says we can describe panama but to what end i asked we shall run great risk of discovery not if we are careful says he and it is worth the risk why what good will our intelligence be i asked not wishing him to expose himself not much now he answered but by god's help some day i will serve panama si so served nombre de dios If God grants my prayer for life and leave, and we sail that sea, yonder harbor is where we must strike, if we get not our fill elsewhere. And now I have opportunity of learning how the town lies. I will not throw it away. It is thus I have sped so far, and thus I mean to continue, for I hold it not enough for a man to pray earnestly. He must show by fearless and grudging endeavor that he is in earnest and leave nothing undone which may speed the granting of his prayer. God could do all this and more without my help. That I know well, but yet I think he loves best to help man Who are ready to show they are in earnest in seeking his help. So together we went and lay down where we could see the fair city, lying some little way from the harbor, on either side of a goodly broad street that led northwards from the sea, right through the houses. All was very still, because of the great heat that still prevailed. Yet we could see the convent, nestling in its garden of palms, the tall spire of the church, the high bare walls of the king's treasure house, as big and strong as that at Nombre the Dios, and beyond all slumbered the gold ships in the roadstead. A fair place, a goodly place, said Frank in a whisper. Too fair and goodly for those that possess it. It should be ours, Jasper, and our queen's, and so it shall be, at least for as long as its plundering will take. If I can come into that roadstead with but two stout, well manned ships, we shall see, we shall see. Let us come away. It is in the Lord's hands. To deal with as he wills on our return to the strength we found the simaroons busy dressing our spile in the costume which the servants in panama were accustomed to wear he was a merry short fellow who had served a master in the city formerly and he bade us not to doubt that he would soon be back with all the intelligence we wanted. After his going was another space of anxious waiting, during which we refreshed ourselves with such victuals as we had with us. To every man was given a little aqua vitae for his comfort. I was surprised to see Sergeant Culverin drinking, as I thought a little too freely from a private store he had i went to him and he respectfully offered me some no sergeant said i if there's danger before us i would rather keep my head cool as you will sir he said it may be well enough for a young man but with an old soldier it is different then has not an old soldier as much need of a cool head as a young one? I asked. Yes, perhaps, he answered. But a cool head is little use if your heart is cool, too. Why, sergeant, said I, very surprised, your heart at least will not be faint when a fight is ahead. No, sir, said he gravely, no man shall say that and yet i like to go about with it that it shall not faint and therefore i discipline it with a sufficiency of aqua vitae well sergeant said i still very puzzled at the signs of timidity on the part of the grim old soldier you are the last i should have suspected of needing so base a crutch for his courage Maybe my courage halts, he answered sadly. Maybe it does not. Once I never gave a thought to danger. But when a man has served much, he knows. I do not think I have less courage than any man here. But I know what war is better than day. As you shall see more of war, sir, you shall see less of its glory. More of its horror. That is why I wished to come to England, and to be plain with you, I should have never run my head into this wild venture of Captain Drake's had it not been that my poor master, but I crave your honour's pardon, I prattled impertinently. No matter, sergeant, said I. It is I who should crave your pardon, but tell me, do you think our danger so very great? Not perhaps if we succeed, answered the sergeant, but if we fail, where shall we retreat? But we must not think of that, said I. A young soldier need not, said he softly. but alas, an old soldier cannot choose but think of it unless unless what sergeant i asked unless sir said he grimly smiling in the stead of the ardent spirit of youth which in you burns up such doubt a man may come by a sufficiency of his most courageous aguardiente with that i left him revolving much in my mind whether he or i were the braver man it was not long before our spile came back we gathered eagerly round him for his news which as eagerly he gave seeing he was so full of it that he was like to burst had he not got this relief as soon as he did and no wonder for he told us he had found the plaza full of mules which men were fitting with packs on questioning this he found that two great riquius, with a little silver and much victuals, were about to start for the fleet that night but what was better and what caused his eagerness was that besides this there was preparing to precede them a for no less a man than the treasurer of Lima himself, who, being bent on returning to Spain by the first advisor that sailed, was starting that very night for Nombre de Dios, with all his servants and his daughter, together with one mule load of jewels and eight of gold. End of chapter 22